Hey, welcome to episode six of the Draft Champions podcast in the uh, year 2021. I'm here with Kevin Hastings. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing excellent, Zach. So, um, so, so thanks for coming. Um, really glad to have you on here because not only have we drafted um, already together multiple times, but um, you're also, also a 2020 champion, uh, be it the TGFBI, say, say what you will. But um, um, uh, we're having, as you know, as I told you, Champions Week. We just, uh, I just finished recording last night with uh, Mike the Mouth. And um, before that, we did we had a little battle battle of the podcast last year. Andrew Morris of Common Sense he won that he won that league, so we had him on earlier earlier um, earlier this week actually. Um, so now 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 we have you on, and uh, thank you very much for coming on. Tell everyone where they can uh, find you on the internet. Well, pretty simple uh, on Twitter. That's usually where I'm at. Uh, it's my name backwards at Hastings Kevin. Brilliant. Genius. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, when you, when you, when we get right into the TGFBI, actually, um, before we do that, um, actually, um, this is sort of off agenda. Um, I want to talk about all the stuff that's happened today, all the news that's coming out of the, I, I just had a thought that I wanted to share actually, not, not so much a question, but I think that this is, I think it's going to be prospect season uh, this year because they're, all these people are getting declined. They're, all those options are getting declined. Owners are crying broke. They're not broke, like, but they're they're doing what they got to do to run a business. It's a business, and and, and people are saying, oh well, owners aren't broke. No, they're not broke, but they have a budget. Like when I run a business, I'm not broke, but I still want to hit my targets for the business, and that's what they're doing. Anyways, that's an irrelevant topic, really, for what we're trying to what we're trying to get at. But um, I think you might see um, certain teams go the go the leaner route and uh, bring up prospects instead of tendering guys like Jed Jerko or any of the, some of the a lot of the pitchers that are getting getting their options declined. Like you see Brad Hand, you see other pitchers. Um, yeah, names escape me right now, but I just uh, just throughout the day, just like it, the news keeps pouring in, that decline, decline, decline. What do you what do you think about that? I agree a hundred percent. I think uh, it some of the more established guys with with talent uh, that had great seasons like Brad Hand, they, they are going to get signed uh, for a lot less money than they're hoping for at the moment. That's probably uh, coming uh, be pretty obvious to them today. <laughs> yeah. And, but on the other hand, other guys you, you mentioned, guys that in the past would have been uh, – a job somewhere and maybe not full-time but utility guy you know, the, the Josh Harrison's of the world these type of guys uh, that why give them seven eight nine million dollars when you can pay a guy five hundred and fifty thousand it may be close if not as good or better the way that we've gotten into developing prospects in the last few years yeah absolutely um now I guess maybe this is more relevant for the, your draft champions leagues where it goes a little bit deeper and, and the players that are going to get hit by this are a little bit more impactful in that league, um, more so than like your 30 round drafts, but a guy like Yasiel Puig, and I'm trying to think of other players like maybe, and this is really bad for Encarnacion, not that he's getting drafted that highly anyways, but I could see a lot of them, a lot of those type of guys going international now, perhaps. Um, and then players like you or the guys like the Josh Harris's that you listed, I, I could see them just like, they're going to have to accept a really cheap contract or they're going to, or really like how much better are they than somebody that's toiled away in the minor leagues? And I, 
and I know maybe we're getting off on a tangent here, but like the guys in the minors, like people that are that players that were in double or in a high A in 2019 were seeing their way up to the majors already last year, and they've missed that year of development. But they, like if their age is 22 to 24, like what are you waiting for? It's sort of like it's sort of going to be like trial by fire for some of these kids, right? And I could see I could see a lot more. Uh, I could I could see the people coming up a lot quicker this year than really than a lot of people might expect. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even some of the top prospects. We saw a little bit of that this season, uh, especially with the contending teams. But next season, is it is it so valuable to retain that one more year of relatively inexpensive control when you can use them this season for like I said 550,000 or whatever that minimum salary that they make mm -hmm. is rather than paying somebody else close to 10 million for the same yeah. spot might as well bring them up exactly that's what, that's what I'm thinking might happen um yeah so that's that's one of the things I was sort of thinking of as we about um about when we're uh, as we're drafting um and um yeah, um, it's 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 interesting to see, um, and uh, I, I think it's going to be. I think what you'll see is uh, maybe a, a a real big shift in ADP from like the, when you're when you're looking at the 500, 600 range. You, you might see a lot of those guys shift up into like the three hundred range when when it's all set when it's all said and done. And I have a couple of guys in my mind that I'm. Well, I'll probably have a show dedicated to that. I'm. Uh, I still want to get a couple of these guys. I still want to get them for a couple more drafts before. Not that it, <laughs> not that not that everyone's going to care about what, what I do, but like I, if they if they know that I'm going to be targeting them at a certain time, then they probably still want them, but they'll know when to get them, right? So I'll I'll probably have an episode on the on dedicated to late round uh, guys um, at some point in the future. But um, I think it's going to be. Um, I think you're going to see a huge like. Um, change in the ADP like especially in the later rounds as as like news comes out in the offseason so um yeah that's just something I wanted to talk about before um we get into the TGFBI draft that you ended up winning so when you I actually looked at the, Justin Mason's website before um yesterday but knowing that I was going to have you on and the, all the all the all the um drafts are gone so you can't you can't find it anymore whereas it was public before so why don't you take me through the highlights of that draft uh so and um uh, and I guess the first question I'm going to have for you is, um, like, if you had to pick one, one, one pick from that draft, what was, what was it like? There, well, I know there wasn't a one winning pick, but what, what, if you had to pick one, what would be the winning pick? Right. There, there's never one. As, I know. I know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows, you know, but, but we, we understand what you're asking. Um, obviously, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. in the second round worked out as well as anybody could have hoped. Uh, that worked out for me. And he was really the only, uh, my first four round guys that did work out. Uh, none of them were devastating though, which helped, right? I had Scherzer in the first round, which he wasn't a first rounder, but that was better than Verlander in the first round. Um, I had uh, Eston Hira. I had uh, Jordan Alvarez early, uh, but then uh, hit on, um, uh, Jose Abreu in the fifth. Um, when you get later, I, I was really big on Ansby Swanson, and I know this is coming up again later. Um, went into last season I, at his price for last season. I was huge on him. He helped a lot. 
Um, it, it was just kind of yeah. It, going back to not being one, it was it was more that I avoided the landmines. I think. Yeah, and I've talked about that. That second round was full of landmines um, last year, and I just the right. way that the way I think it's just the way that the draft sort of flows. Uh, maybe um, you can get into like your the first couple. You said you took Scherzer, but maybe. You, after I ask, after I say this, maybe you'll get into some of the other pitchers that you took that you, that sort of like I don't want to say fall, fell to you, but it's funny because I'm talking to Rob DiPietro tomorrow, um, and he won the the draft champions uh, leagues um, the, this year, and I'm having him on, and he also took Jordan Alvarez, and um, he took him in I think third round. I don't know when you took him, but it's I'm just trying to think, and I just thought of this now, like taking him there. Decided to take Jordan there, and nothing wrong with that pick. It was just sort of an unfortunate thing, but it, it, it made you pivot to taking certain positions later at certain times. So maybe it just worked out that I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Like it ended up working out for both of you, but you both took like a you both took a huge, huge zero in a very early round pick for the same guy. So it's sort of um, coincidental. Obviously, the word is coincidental, but do you have any thoughts on that? I think it was probably easier for me to deal with than him. In draft uh, champions, yes. he's he's gone. In draft champions, you're you're just done. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, GFBI being uh, main event style, where we can pick guys up off the waiver wire, it was a little easier uh, to deal with. Um, well, yeah, it, it's actually, crazy. no, I, I disagree with you, Kevin, because it, I think it's easier for him to deal with because he knew what to do. He couldn't do anything. You had to decide whether or how long. It's <laughs> a way to look at it too. Yeah, uh, it was. Um, when did you drop him? I get, well, did you did you did you wait until like it was confirmed that he was he was Dunzo, or did you did you um, did you hold on to him? I, I believe I had room. I don't think I had to make that decision, but I think it was only one extra week. I played him the weekend that he played. Right. Uh, oh, so that's good. You got, you got, the, home, you got the home run. Yeah, I got I got the home run, and it, he had a good weekend. Uh, and I believe I played him for the first half of the following week. Uh, and then pinched him when he sat. But I think by the end of that weekend, I think we knew he was gone. I think I could drop. I think I only had him for uh, one extra week after he came back. So um, who, were you, who were your Who were your next pitchers that you took after Scherzer? Um, I took Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, who was kind of my my pivot from? Uh, I was really big on you, Darvish last season. Had him in in a lot of leagues, and, but as, as the half season went on, he kept getting pushed up higher and higher. So I wasn't getting was. him as often. Mm-hmm. And, and so my, my, uh, my fallback from Harvish uh, was Trevor Bauer. Um, and uh, then, yeah, and, and it was something I, I think I heard, um, heard Eno Saris talking about in his rankings that this will probably surprise a lot of people, but you Darvish and Trevor Bauer have very similar stuff and command metrics. The ones he looks at, you know, and talks about on rates and barrels often. And so Bauer became my fallback from Darvish at the time uh, that worked out. Fortunately, I was really big on Marco Gonzalez. Uh, I, I drafted him in several leagues. Really? Because later, and he was probably, for the price, he was probably my most, most valuable pitcher of the season. Now, you say you're big on, you're big on him. Are you big on him for his price this year? Um, I 
didn't get him in either of our leagues. Uh, and uh, so I'm not sure exactly where he went, but probably not because I still like him. I didn't get him in either of the two leagues that we have drafted. Um, I think he's going like he is a he's at a he's at a wide range of, of um, draft positions. I actually have the ADP from the three drafts that I did. Our fourth is um, coming up. I'll, I'll let you know. Um, awesome. He not not Marco Luciano, um, Marco Gonzalez, one thirty nine, one sixty two, and then one hundred nine. So he's going one hundred nine. He's he's getting up there. That's that's mm-hmm. what eighth round. Um, yeah. I think it's fine there, but it, it's it's not somebody I'd be targeting at that point. I, w- I wouldn't mind. He's at a point where if you took a if for me personally, if and 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 you kind of brought this up in the rundown for this a little bit. Uh, I am not dead set on I I need to have two pitchers in the first three rounds or four rounds, uh, and and you were asked I, I think how many in the first five. Usually, I'd like to have a second one by the fifth. And depending on what those two pitchers were and where I took them, I may take my third earlier or later. If I have two studs, I'm probably not taking my third pitcher yet in the eighth. If I have two, if I got my first two pitchers in the third and fourth round, I may be taking my third one in like the seventh. The eighth round is kind of a no man's land for pitchers for me. Uh, yeah, at least that's the way it's worked out in the past. Uh, I, 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 I suspect it's different every year. The landscape changes. Um, and it just before before we get too far off, it's funny that um, like I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about Rob today, but he also took Trevor Bauer as well as his uh, SP one. He started four hitters, and he, so I'm noticing some, I, I, I'm, that's what something I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at the, like the, the teams that fared well last year, and I'm going to look at uh, I'm going to try. I just haven't had time to look at that. Um, I'm gonna see how see who took where, who took what where, what positions, what what sort of um, um, categories they're focusing on. And you were sort of alluding to what your like. You don't really have a set strategy. Um, you're saying for positions, but for for stats, do you have like a set uh, like when you want to target stats? I guess you're sort of forced to target um, the scarcer ones earlier. Uh, a little bit. I'm not big on, and and I'm having a little at least so far a little swing on this opinion a little bit, but I'm not big on uh, the high stolen base guys, even the top ones, which sounds crazy, but when you say that, are you referring to the top ones as in like Montessi or are we talking about Trey Turner? I'm talking about the the early first round five category guys, because I don't like, counting on those stolen bases if that guy gets injured you're done yeah I'm, I, I agree with you but like you're not talking about like a cuna tatis guys right you're talking about right well tatis last year in the second round was, was great i'm talking about and i don't think it matters if you take in the first round if he stays healthy you're going to be fine it's more about roster construction building your team around how you do that for the most part typically in the past i've been it just get a few stolen bases from everybody. And that was my main strategy in 2020 was the five stolen base guys, you know. Uh, Ice Harper ended up getting more than I expected. But I was counting on, you know, seven, eight, I mean, uh, 
That's and a lot. This you're, is when we were drafted from one sixty two to seven eight from Bryce Harper. That like extrapolate that. That's like almost twenty. Well, no, back. this is when at the time we were drafted. Oh, from okay. My bad. My bad. Okay. I'll yeah. say you meant for the short season. But those types of guys going into twenty one, right? Uh, Mike Trout. I don't expect him to start stealing a bunch of bags again. It's not going to be a zero. Um, and, and I just like those spread out throughout. Um, so that is one strategy that I, I've stuck to um, pretty consistently over the years. Um, and so of course, you're, you're, you're going to have a guy or two that's going to get you more than that. That ended up being Tatis. It ended up being um, Dylan Moore was great this year. You know, guys like that. Oh, yeah. No, no, Dylan Moore was not drafted in those leagues, I don't think. No. He was just, he was a guy that, like, come, coming into last year, like, he had some potential. But after last year, he looked so bad. But he's a guy that he's interesting. Um, he's an interesting player. Um, so, are you, are you, are you um, out on, you're one of the, you're in the camp that you're out on Bondesi. You're with me on that? I was, but I'm coming around. The reason I've been out on Mondesi has more to do with being a Royals fan and having a hard enough time with the ups and downs and streaks <laughs> and injuries, watching them play every day and not wanting to worry about that on my fantasy teams as well. So are you I, from, I, are you from I wrote there? Down, I put this tweet out several days ago. Over the last two seasons, he played 161 games. So that's building in all of his injuries, all of his streaks, all of his bad. And in those 161 games, hit 260 with 15 home runs, 84 RBIs, 91 runs, and 67 stolen bases. It's, that's what his steamer projection that came out yesterday is right in line with those. And it's got me, th it depends on where he goes, right? In the first of these two drafts I did with you, went with the eighth pick of the second round. I'm not there. Then the second one, I had the eighth pick, and he was still there with the eighth pick of the third round. Uh, well, let's give it a shot, see what happens. Oh, so you, you took him. I did. In the, in the, the, I took him mid-third round. I'm not there for mid-second round. No. Um, so are you from Kansas City? Like, uh, uh, pretty close by, near Omaha, Nebraska. So I went to a lot of games in Kansas City growing up. Uh, so how many hours away? How many hour drive is that? Uh, about two and a half. Okay. So you remember, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know actually where you were from. You, um, I think it was 2015. You beat my Blue Jays out. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I remember that. I remember that year. I remember where, I remember where it was. That, that sucked, I guess for me, but not for you. No, uh, that was the first year I was actually living in Hawaii, but the previous year, 2014, even though I lived in Texas, a buddy of mine who lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I, we bought season tickets because we bought into the fact that they were going to make the postseason and we mm -hmm. wanted good seats when they did. So we had dug out box seats that were cheap because they'd been affordable for 30 years. That's sweet. And then we had them for the postseason. It was awesome. That's sweet. So you, how long have you been a Royals fan for? Uh, as long as I can remember. George Brett is the first player I remember knowing who he was. Um, first time I remember being extremely upset about a sporting event was the Chris Chambliss home run against the Royals in 76. I was five years old, so been a long time. Yeah, well, I was, I was two years old when you guys won the first, or won the first time in 85. 
Um, I don't look, I, I don't remember that. I did. Well, I was obviously not. Uh, <laughs> I was obviously not watching that game, but I do. I did remember that series, and, and then uh, they were saying that it's going to be a nice uh, little um, rematch in fifteen. What was it? Oh yeah, I think it was like what is it? Thirty years later. Yeah. And uh, got us again, but. I digress to uh, what we were talking about uh, before, which is fantasy baseball, not real life. Yes. Um, and uh, with respect to um, the, this year, and not, not even just the TGFBI, um, and like, this is supposed to be um, focusing on that, but um, if it's more applicable, like what, is there anything that really, like any specific strategy that worked for you last year that, that you're gonna, that you can apply this year? Um, um, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I went into every league last season uh, with the goal of leading the league in late appearances and innings pitched. And uh, I didn't win every league I was in. Nobody wins every league they're in. But I, I had a very good season, and I believe it was because I was successful in attaining that goal. And kind of boils down to what we first talked about at the beginning of this show. There's going to be so much uncertainty uh, who's playing where in the lineups and how often. And teams do that. More and more teams are playing the way the Rays play. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, not as, it's not as newsworthy because it's not new anymore. A lot of teams are doing it and – I think it's going to be the same way even over 162, uh, hopefully, in 2021. I really think it's all about um, late appearances and innings pitched. Of course, you want the highest quality of those you can get as well, putting that together, but that, mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. So, all right, now, two questions, because there were two follow-ups on that. Um, first of all, the comment is that I was talking to Phil Dussault, and he's coming on the podcast next week. And I talked, he was, he was in the main event with me and that's, he said the exact same thing. He's like, I just want to get the most plate appearances. Now my questions are, are you referring to um, leagues with fab or DCs or both? And then my second question to that is like, I understand what you're saying, but, and I think a lot of people listening were like, okay, that's great. I want to get the most at bats. Obviously you want to get a lot of at bats, but like, how are you doing that? Are you targeting players that got at the beginning of the lineup or are you churning your roster or are you getting a lot of people with position flex, like eligibility? Like, so just to summarize my questions are what type of leagues are you referring to just to clarify? And then two, how are you, like, how did you go about getting the best at bats? Because it seems like a simple concept, but it's not, it's not as simple as you think. Right. And every example you mentioned answer is yes. It depends then on, the type of league uh, in in DCs, for example, uh, any league, for example, early in the draft, I'm looking for guys uh, at or near the top of the lineup. Uh, obviously, the better the team and the better offense, then the lower in the lineup you can go. Some teams have loaded lineup lineups top to bottom. Their guys hitting lower in the lineup are going to get the at bats. Um, when it comes to DCs. When you get into the late rounds, I'm looking for guys that I, they may not have a job right now. They may be a free agent. They're not going to get it. I, uh, I drafted uh, Gardner in one league. Probably, in my opinion, he goes back to the Yankees for less money. You know, they declined his option. Right. Guys that 
I know when it's, I'm in a bind, he may not be playing every day. He is going to be playing if I get ransacked with injuries on my DC team. Uh, I mentioned Josh Harrison later. That's a, the multi-position eligibility guy. Old guys, they aren't exciting. Mm-hmm. They're going to play three or four times a week, regardless of what team they end up playing for. Uh, when it comes to ab leagues, then yeah, it, it is. Ab was a, a chore this year. I mean, I th- my opinion, even more so than in previous years, because um, that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, trying to look two weeks ahead so you could get the guys for a couple of dollars. Uh, this guys that are You're talking about two-star pitchers. Time. I'm sorry? You're talking about two-star pitchers or like double headers? Any, anybody. Not waiting for a guy to have a, a six-game hot streak. Guy, ooh, he's hit, he hit the ball hard the last couple of days. I got a spot. Um, or this guy's injured going out for the year. Let's pick him up. I'm not playing him this week, but if he continues to look good over the next few days, I have him for next week. Or even in NFBC, I can get him in my lineup on Friday. Right. right? So, it, it, so the, everything it, you said, the turning and burning. Uh, in the, okay, so this, this, this is all of it. So the NFBC, like if you're looking at Monday to Monday to Thursday, do you do you look at how many games? Like obviously, obviously you care, but like do you care a lot how many games a, a player plays? Let's say like I had this, like I had this decision a lot. So like I had like, do I play? I guess when you have your studs, even if they have two games that week, you're you're going to play them. But let's say you have like, I had decisions like, okay, I have like four games of Yoshi Satsugo, or I have like three games of. Um, someone else, right? So like, or, mm-hmm. th- or, or even like two games of Trent Grisham. Do I do I play Trent Grisham twice or do I play Tetsugo four times? Because I don't even know if Tetsugo is going to play all those games, right? Right. So Tetsugo is a, so a, what's your, a what's your thought of sort of, sorry, sorry, what's, what's your sort of thought process like in generalities about that, not that specific example, but just in, in like globally? I think, um, this year we had to deal with the seven inning games as well as part of that, another wrinkle in the same thing. Mm. Uh, but in general, yeah, I'm playing my studs, but I, I believe it was week nine, the second to last week this season. I sat Tatis Jr. the first half of the week. He had two games. I had somebody else that had uh, had four games, and I, I wish I could remember who it was. I, I – that Tatis on my bench for a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, being his only two games played. Um, mm-hmm. Stole one base. That was the only thing I lost. The rest, <laughs> you remember was, that? And it was kind of he was in kind of into that. If you remember, in the second half, he kind of had a, a a little bit of a down. Well, his second half was not as good as his first half, obviously. Right. So, um, but as an example, uh, when you're talking twice as many games, if I think that. I have a player that's got a good chance of playing all four. I'll, I'll play him over a stud. Now, usually you have somebody else you could sit, right? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got a little bit of position eligibility. This year, you, sometimes, this year you didn't have it. This year you might not have had that option with all the, all the shit that was going down. Right, right. So usually, hopefully, it doesn't come to that decision. But in general, when you're getting down to, to other players, you know, you know, good players, but not the superstars, Mm-hmm. I'll play the guy that if I am 
fairly certain he's going to get more playing time over those four days. I'll, I'll play him above the better player. So I'll tell you, you, you saw Tatis, I'll tell you a crazy story. Um, I, in, in the days, the DCs, um, I had um, a lot of, um, I had a lot of Tyler Stevenson, the catcher on the Reds, right? Because I figured like, I, don't, I figured he was good and, and uh, he like talent wise, he's probably going to be one of the best catchers in the league. And, um, and he did have the opportunity to work good catchers, but that's why I had it. But um, I had also, I also in my teams had a lot of Sal Perez and Jorge Alfaro who were out for a long time. So I was four. So I, I was strapped. I'm like, okay, I was getting, I was actually thinking like, okay, there's no way that these players are going to be back from injury. I just, I just know that during this week, they can't come back. So who do I have on my bench? And I was, and I started Stevenson the week before he was even called up. So he was in the minor leagues and I started him and he ended up coming up, hitting two home runs. They sent right. him back down. So that actually worked out for me. Like in the short run, but that's just a, sort of a funny story that I remember. But it, I, I was, but this year I was, I was, I was starting Dylan Carlson at times when he was in the minor leagues and he, did, he got, I think he got called up midweek one time. So it's just like, it was, it was a tough year. Yeah. I had a, a so not as good as getting two home runs from Tyler Stevenson. Uh, I do like coming into this year uh, quite a bit, by the way. But uh, oh goodness, I just drew a blank on his name. I had the the Texas Rangers third catcher as uh, the the only catcher that wasn't Mathis? injured on my deep. No, below Mathis, Torinos and Mathis were hurt. This guy that I had in there that I didn't think would get any at bats, but I had him in my lineup, ended up playing three or four times that week. <laughs> uh, Jose, I forget his last name. Trevino. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's and, like he's like their number one catcher this year. Now he is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he ended up getting injured, unfortunately, or I think he would have <laughs> kept getting at bats after that happened. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's crazy how that those work out, especially in DCs when we're drafting these now. Yeah. Um, Without getting off topic too much, but you oh. brought up all these guys that are getting um, outrighted and non-tendered. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be – at hand, I don't think, is going to be the, the only reliever and guy that has had success as a reliever. Plus, there's so many of them that are free agents anyway. How, how do we draft? closers right now when there's so maybe four of them that we know are going to be closers last year what's that there there might be four guys that we can be certain are closers for the team they're going to close for. i don't even know if um the minnesota twins closer is the closer to be quite honest right i don't know if kenley jansen is their closer (laughs) i took him i took him early in one of the drafts but like before he started to look kind of bad that's really tough too. Like, and to your point, okay. So let's say, let's say you, you don't, um, you don't get one of those sure things. How do you go? Like, okay. How do you go? Are you more like, do you grab, like start grabbing column A or even that's even a bad example. That's too early. Like, do you start grabbing like a Crichton on the, on the Diamondbacks and players like Daniel Hudson, or do you just go and say, I want more quantity and I start getting really good, relievers near the like more of them like during near the end of the draft like get your stomachs get your like aj minters get your like just really good pitchers like with good ratios and in hopes that talent wins over over opportunity because like you don't know opportunity 
like there's so many, there's so many, like it's too, it would take too long to go through all the teams because there's just too many examples of just messes right now. Right. So what do you, what's your, what sort of your, what's your strategy, I guess, is what I'm asking. I, I don't, think I don't I, have, I don't I have one, yet. I don't think. I, I, I went in the two DCs that we've done, I, I went completely opposite and, and I didn't spend up. I, I, uh, I think I went Montero and, and Jeffress in, one of them mm-hmm. just hoping that if these guys performed well uh i think they're under control for next season they're young hopefully they keep that spot and and i went even higher on them than i typically would the, the no sure things and the few that we think might be were already long gone uh, and then in, in my in the other one i, I just waited i took I think I took Egos. I, I was big on him coming into this season. So was I. And, and so just hoping maybe that works out next year because he was still hanging around much later. Uh, and, you know, I, I just took a couple of guys that I like their stuff and maybe they'll work their way into a few opportunities so I don't take a zero. But I, I just can't spend any half capital, whether it be auction or half position on these guys right now. Well, we know that um, I think three months or four months from now, however, however long it is, you're going to see a huge, we, we, you know, there's going to be a huge difference. You just don't know where that difference is going to lie. Like, you, you know, that players are like, like I said, this is, I'm saying players that are the 500 and 600. I'm talking about prospects. Yeah. Mainly. I think you're like your 300s and 400 relievers. They're going to be like around 150. And who, who is that going to be? You don't know, but you know that right now you're drafting with someone, maybe yourself, that's getting like there's going to be I'd say probably seven or I'd say around seven relievers that are getting drafted past 300 right now that will be in the 150s by March. Would you agree with that? Uh, the perfect example of that this year is just because I love the spring training he's having and I was watching him every day. Uh, I drafted Trevor Rosenthal in every single league I was in. Yeah. And so when the rest of my the rest of my relievers were a mess he got the job even more quickly than i thought he might and it ended up working out i was big on the hansel robles range and well he just killed me <laughs> yeah he was he was a bad one everybody like, and yeah. you know i drafted him in one of these leagues coming up for this year that but you got the, end cheap, of the season his stuff looked good it's just a matter of do they give him the opportunity again he was so bad they might not that's a messy situation there in, in Anaheim and they're not going to be, they're not going to be, they're not going to be a, a good team. Not that that really matters that much. I know pe- people, they, they tell me that it doesn't like, doesn't bad teams doesn't dictate not a lot of saves, but um, yeah, like, I don't know. That's sort of a messy situation in, in, for the angels. But, that's um, the thing I'm having the biggest trouble with in these early drafts is, and you can't just completely leave it alone. You need something. And I, I don't even know what I feel is even a good plan right now. I feel like, like, yeah, you're, I feel like, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like you need something. Like, I'm, I'm not going to spend right now. I'm not going to spend, like, an early pick on it. Um, but I feel like I need to just sort of, like, it's sort of like you, you got to flush the money down the toilet somewhere. Uh, it, feels, <laughs> right. it feels like. And it's like, okay, ninth round, okay, like, fuck. Like, the last draft I was in, I took um, Colin May, who's not signed for the White Sox. I'm like, okay. Here you go and really um 
how that can really work out for you because you take him and then you and you grab his backup, and and then you, you might you might walk into two closures and you go somewhere else. It happened to me one year where I had Colin. I think it was like Seattle or something, and then I drafted him. I drafted him in the back and his and his handcuff and ended up with two closures. I don't think it worked out for me well in the long run because I think one of them probably ended up being terrible or something like that. But um, yeah, like and like another example this year was I drafted um, I in. I think my third draft, I've done, this is my, I'm in my fourth right now, I drafted Brad Hand in like, I think pick 92, but then I made sure to get Karinchak earlier than like, I made sure to jump Karinchak, so I got both of them. So it's not all bad, but I did wait like, quote unquote. Wait yeah, and his price is going to skyrocket now that Brad Hand was, so you got a uh, good value on that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. I, I think he's going to be, I like I was saying this to Mike yesterday, I said, um, Karin checks my CL one. He's my closer one off the board. I don't know. Probably not a popular opinion, but like who you got there? You got um, Hendricks and Hayter, right? But um, I think uh, Cleveland, like they just have they have great pitching, and um, and uh, I think he's going to be. I think he's just a great pitcher, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, I think he might be a fourth rounder in the main event. Yeah, and Hendricks is a free agent too. I mean, you mean after this year goes. What's that? After after this year? No, right now. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He is. So, yeah. Yeah, he's you know, probably, probably a closer. If a team somewhere. like the Yankees that likes to stockpile these guys, wants to bring him in to, you know, to replace Ottavino, who wasn't nearly as good as what they signed him to be, and he's no longer a closer. Um, it it, it yeah, can happen. It's not, a, it's not a lock. That's a great point. Just going to look at what uh, – what do you want to get into next here? I'm just pulling up our agenda. Um, so um, one of the things I want to ask about, we, we sort of almost touched on this, but like players that had like, are you, are you, it's not going to be a normal season. Like what we talked about how crazy last year was. I don't think it's going to be completely normal next year. Like I think, I think personally you can bank on the DH again. Uh, I think you can, I, like, I, are you pushing up players that already had COVID because COVID's not getting, I don't think it's going to be much different in March. Like the, like, the people getting the virus. So I think the players like you, like Ken Jansen, Justin Turner, uh, whoever else had it, I think you're not going to have to worry about them sitting out two, three weeks anymore. Soto, um, probably, right? I don't know. It's for me, it's not as much that they already had it, but it's more of the guys that had it. I am assuming that's why they had down years. And I'm not pushing them up. I'm taking the discount uh, on guys like Moncada, uh, on guys like as much as it scares me to have anybody that plays for Tampa count on them in my lineup every day. But Austin Meadows is another good example. Uh, I don't think these guys were themselves. And we can say that about anybody in a 60 game season. Those guys, we have something tangible to point to that maybe they're just the energy levels weren't back. And so not necessarily pushing them up. I think I, I like I like them where they're dropping down to. Right. Now, any players like um, like like these wouldn't these wouldn't be huge names, but they're like you do have to you do have to sift through in your mind which players like had that off like really bad season. Like we know like some of the players you mentioned in like buy as you expect to bounce back but like players like there are new players like okay like this is not like 
this just so happened 2020 just so happened to coincide with them falling off the cliff like what about like an Elvis Andrews like like someone like that like is he like is he like dead to you now or do you think that's just like a small sample size and I don't know I'm trying to think of other examples of players like that that like well Joey Votto was sort of you've got two years of that now um but like you, you like, are there any players like maybe I'm trying to think of a better example that's a, a more um, er, early drafted player than that? That you're like, can you think of an example of someone that you're like okay this is this is not a 2020 thing this this guy is actually this guy might still be overdrafted like um, I guess the examples like I'm just, I'll throw out some names that um, to help just give you food for thought Altuve Bryant Donaldson um, I guess you can't really put Korea in there anymore because he looked pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah, and Altuve did too. And I was down on Altuve, uh, uh, like the mental aspect of everything that went on with the Astros. I think that uh, regardless of what any of us think about that whole situation, uh, other than getting caught up in that and participating, and, and so rightfully so, but I, I think mentally that really – Altuve down and it was well, I had nothing to do with him in any draft last season um, but he bounced back in the postseason and it kind of came around look so I, I, I think he's probably going to be fine um, some of the others that you know whether it was COVID related like Scott Kingery right he yeah. was one of the guys that got removed during a game because the test came back. Um, and he hasn't really done anything other than when he came up midseason and was skyrocketed up everybody's lists. How does that? How did that set him back? It's really hard to know. But some of these guys are dropping far enough that they're at that point where I'll take a chance on. Where's Kingery going? He, what sucked about him is he didn't even get you a stolen base, I don't think. Right. So that's, what, that's, that's a big part of where he was getting drafted in the, in the mid-100s um, last year. That, that, was, that was why he was getting drafted around the same time as like a lot of Lourdes Guriel, and they sort of went opposite directions. Yeah. Where's where Kingery? I'm just going to check um, uh, where Kingery's going this year. I'll let, I'll let you know. And uh, did you get him any, in any of the drafts? I, I didn't. He went um, 358, 391, and 289 in the in the three that we did on fan tracks. So, yeah, I think those, the, the 300s is all right. Yeah, we're getting up to you know right around like 300. I'm just looking at some of the guys. Um, looks like I was I was filling in multi position guys, which he, he would fit that bill and and some backup pitchers at that point in these drafts. Um, yeah. I remember looking at him several times, but I didn't pull the trigger in either one. He went in the 270s in the in the NFBC draft that we're in right now with again with Mike. Um, so he's going he's going in the late two hundreds probably is where he's gonna fall out just because of that upside still. Um, yeah, I think it's that, because I, he's got he's got two things. If you're looking for upside that not everybody is in on, he's got both that he's young and he could still be developing and becoming better. 
and he's got well, maybe he wasn't himself and wasn't completely healthy uh, for the COVID reasons. And and so there is the opportunity there when you're at the point, you know, 20 rounds in, that's a point where you can afford to be wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just looking at what we're going to talk about next. So, um, before we get into like some of the ADP of our drafts, I just want to. Take, I have a couple. I have a couple notes on some of the drafts, like specific to your draft, that I wanted to ask you about. But how big are you on projections, first of all? Because you just you mentioned Steamer came out yesterday. Do you like? I looked. I looked at it. And, like I think the innings. Like the, the pitchers look like it's all fucked up still. Like, um, like yeah. they, they have Alec Mills pitching 223 innings. Um, so hey. they probably have to refine that. Hey, I have mixed emotions about projections. I. I love looking at them when they come out. Uh, I do understand the point of view of, well, have skills, not projections. At the same time, without putting too much into it, without completely counting on what you think the projection of a player is, I think you do have to have some sort of number in your mind. Right? You yeah. can't just say this guy has speed have to have you know the the opportunity the place in the lineup the what the lineup is behind him are they going to let him run and and put a number on that because not only can you draft too little of a category if you overdo it in a category you're hurting your other categories so you kind of kind of have a range of at least a range of numbers on some of these things and i i look at steamer every year because it's the first one that comes out. The first thing that I do is I adjust plate appearances on every player that I think that I want to, whether it be for health or fought in the lineup, or I, I think he's going to get more playing time, play more games than they think, or dropping them down for any of the same reasons and others. First thing I do is I adjust playing time. I don't have my own algorithm. They have one. They do that work for me. And then as each other projection system comes out, I kind of do the same thing and compare them. And usually they're going to be pretty similar when there's an outlier from one system to the other. I take a specially closer look at that guy, see why one system likes him much more than the others, if I can figure out why. And, and so I do pay quite a bit of attention to the projections without paying attention to what the actual projections are. Yeah, no, I, I know, no, that does make sense because I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, uh, I, like, I think, I don't think they're so much useful, like, like for them, like it, like in a vacuum, like I, I wouldn't base my team on those projections because like, I, I'm not going to look at like Christian Yellick and, and say, okay, Steamer says this, I'm going to now change what I think about this person. Like, um, um, I, and like along the same, like, I know he's been talked about to death, but like Randy Rosarina, I don't like what at this point I've watched him play in the playoffs, whatever the analytics say about him and whatever his projections are, I do not give a shit about them because I've seen him. I know what I think about him. He's a type of guy where any sort of like analytics means nothing anymore with a guy like that. Um, I think it, 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 with, you value him. I, I, I have in my mind, I think he's going to do this during the season and that's how I'm going to project him. I think not, no one, nothing that anyone's going to say 
really is going to is going to sway me. So there's certain players like that, um, and also I look at them. So I'm not looking. I'm not looking to um, build my team to hit certain numbers based on like steamer and put it into a, a spreadsheet. I've tried that, and I don't think it. I don't think it's that relevant. But I do like the same thing as you. Like I do say, okay, why? I'm not really comparing Steamer to like another projection system, but I'm going to look and say, okay, Steamer really likes Byron Buxton, which they do. Steamer really likes Alex Bregman, which they do. Steamer really likes other players that are maybe less known. So then that makes me sort of look into them, look into them more deeply. And that's I think what, sort of what you're saying, right? Absolutely. Two years ago, uh, Doc Peterson came out as their 14th ranked hitter, and we all know he's a platoon bat. That's the year he had 33 home runs. And he was someone I took notice of because of that ranking and bought in uh, in spite of the fact that he was only going to get about 400 at-bats. So there's there's always – you always find something to look at along those lines. You know what? I, like I said, I think I don't think they're they're done fiddling with their projections, but you know, another, another person Steamer loves – is Craig Kimbrell for some reason. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice that on Steamer. Uh, they, they, give, was, they give him like 16 staves and he's getting, and he has better ratios than like most of the other relievers. Like he has better ratios than Kenley Jansen on Steamer. Right. And just from watching games, I noticed that late in the season, he was having some pretty good outings. And so it was something that I was going to take a look at. But if I remember correctly, still got drafted higher than I was comfortable with in the DCs that we've done. Uh, just because even, even the guys we're not sure about are, are too expensive for me. And I think a good way to summarize myself, how I treat the projections is I treat the projections very similarly to how I treat StatCast. I'll look at them and, but if I, if I were to build my own projections, I would start on actual I, this is what I would use to build my projections. Actual past results, um, expected plate appearances, where they're batting in the lineup. And I would use um, basically um, um, stats above replacement or like using some sort of, um, I guess, standing gains points to assign. Not just like, I wouldn't look at, like, I wouldn't say, uh, well, and this is what I want to try and look at this year. I don't know if I'll have the time to do it, but like, my truck, like, I don't really care if he gets, like, my truck hitting 40 home runs doesn't mean anything in and of itself. Mike Trout being 20 home runs above replacement value, that's what means something. So I think that what I think would be really valuable is to create a projection system with just like replacement value. So for example, like Fernando Tatis, stolen bases are worth seven. Not, he's not going to steal 25 bases. He has seven. He's going to get you seven more stolen bases and whatever you can find off the scrap heap, right? So I think that's something that would be valuable. And that's something that I'd like to look at um, sort of building. And, I, I, and like I said, I would probably want to start, I wouldn't start with Steamer because the, the main problem starting with Steamer is I don't know how they've got to it. Like, I don't see the details. I don't see the details in StatCast, but I can see, I, I can see, project, I, can, I can project based on past performance. I know how that's, and I know how you get from past performance to this performance and based on the other factors like at bats and who's around you, um, what division you're in, what pitchers you're facing. And I don't think, um, I don't know what they use. I, maybe you do. I don't know what, they, what criteria they use to like, use these projections, but I think the things that aren't really factored in enough are like who they faced last year. Did somebody face like, like, did you face like really good pitching more so than other 
players. I think it's really who you're, who you're facing and where you're batting in the order and, and uh, what you've done last year is important. I don't know. I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're using in those projections. Uh, like one thing we knew going into last year that they were not using was barrels. And that was until. Uh, Sorry, you said, you, said, you, said bar- you said barrels? Barrels. Yeah, so there was That was one of the adjustments I was making. Like, and this guy, uh, when I was looking into 2019 compared to 2018 barrel rates, that was something I was adjusting to with the projections. Well, then Riccardi mid-season came out with that X. So now he's got that included in his projection system, and we know that. What was really cool is I was talking to Alex Chamberlain last offseason. I asked him, knowing that about hitters, what was it about pitchers that we should be looking at that are not included in the projection? And he said quality of contact. That's why Kyle Hendricks outperforms his projection at least a full run in ERA every season is the projection systems don't look at quality of contact. So he, he brought up, you know, the Wobacon, the Wobacon. Uh, and so I started looking at that, to add that another aspect to adjust what the projections were saying about pitchers. There's all kinds of adjustments we can make. But, yeah, I get back to your original question kind of do start with the projection systems as the base and then make my adjustments first like like you said in and i started with the first thing i go to is eight appearances like guys like Anzer alberto and victor reyes last year i was extremely confident they were going to get a lot more at bats than steamer or any of the other projection systems had them projected for and it worked out. They were they were both great for where you drafted them last year. Yeah, yeah, Victor Reyes especially. Now he's going he's going he's going quite high this year. Um, so you, you talked about like I think um, you're talking about um, certain um, stats that maybe aren't in projections. When you look at like the the more advanced stats, what's one of the what's if you if you had to pick it like one or two one or call it one stat that you you really want to look at maybe barrels. What's what the you're knocking out that's really not um, apparent in projections or stats. What's what's something you're really looking at? What's the first thing you're going to really, um, go to? Um, last season, it was definitely barrel rates. I spent a lot of time looking at that, uh, and because Eric Cardi's projections are one of the last ones to come out. I don't think they come out till like after spring training starts. Uh, that I'm probably going to start there again because I don't know that the other projection systems added that. I haven't heard that they have. Um, and I think I'm going to stick with that quality of contact with pitchers uh, as well. I think that's the two. Yeah. Um, I think wouldn't, I'm just, I'm just trying to think, now that you said quality of contact, um, wouldn't. The first uh, stat I look at for that is, is the wool bacon, weighted on base average on contact. Wait, well, bacon. Okay, so I think I'm trying to think. Wouldn't Julio Urias be very high on that? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I, I think I think he's I think he's one of the guys. I looked at that before, and like I said, I didn't know. I I didn't I, I never knew what these projection systems use. I never took the time to really dig into them. But um, so it's interesting that you say that um, 
some use barrels and some don't. And um, and then none of the you're saying none of the projection systems use like a, a wool bacon. I got that uh, once again. Um, I listen to so many podcasts, but that was something that I picked up that Eno Saris had said on rates and barrels about this time last year, maybe a little later into the off season, that none of the projection systems have barrels. Huh. So that's what I started looking at to, to adjust a little bit. And then that's why, you know, Derek Cardi, the bat that, that is usually the last uh, projection system added to fan graphs as we're approaching the season. After the season started this year, he incorporated not just barrels, but other stat cast metrics into his projection system that hadn't been in it before. And he called it the bat X. Hmm. Uh, so he's doing it now. I don't know if anybody else is or not. Right on. So let's, um, before, before we get going, and I know we've um, taken a lot of, uh, we're taking probably into an hour right now. Um, we're into the, into the second hour of our show. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to go two hours, obviously, but I want to talk about some of the, like just like some of the ADP observations um, from the drafts that me and you did together. And one of the things that you, uh, me and you were talking about offline during the drafts was Swanson. Um, you were like, you, you already mentioned you were big on Swanson last year. Um, and he went really early in our first draft. I'm not going to say who took him. Um, not that I don't think he cares that much, but I think he went in the forties. Was it 49th overall? Shit. So he, he actually, uh, I don't know if you have the ADP up, um, pulled up in front of you, but he actually didn't go that high um, in the next two drafts. Um, well, in the second one, he he went 68th. We only went one round later. Wait, no, uh, maybe a little later than that. Pulling it up, Swanson. Oh, Swanson, 67th. 67. So he went one round later in the second one. In the third one, which I don't believe you were in, he went 99. So that should make you feel a little bit more comfortable about getting him. And then we are in our fourth one, which is actually being drafted on NFBC. I took, I ended up getting him at seven, 7.5. So what, what would that be? Six rounds would be 90, 95, 90, 95. So in the nineties. So um, in, my, in the early mock, I took him in the eighth round to about that same spot. That's, that's the range where I'm comfortable. That fourth and fifth round, I can't do it. There's no, the thing about him last year was it, it was twofold. One, we, we all knew how deep the shortstop position was. And if you got too carried away with that belief and kind of just missed out on everybody, it was still there for you. Also, it was great at the spot he was going as a middle infielder. Uh, but with that depth that we still have at shortstop, I'm not taking him in the fourth or fifth round. Right. Yeah, that, may, that makes sense. I, I agree with that. Um, what else happened in this draft that I want to, that I wanted to ask you? Um, Tigers. It seemed like just, um, I'm not trying to give away any of your secrets here, but you, you're, you're great. Like there's a trio of the Tigers pitchers. You got uh, Mize, <laughs> you got Scooble, and then you also got Matt Manning who didn't play last year, but um, he, there, there is a little bit of um, trepidation with his injury. I don't know how, I have no idea the severity of that injury. It could be very minor or it could be Tommy John surgery, but um, they did underperform, but they are very talented prospects. As we know, um, they're going, like, as, as you're talking, I'll look at their ADP. I'll let you, I'll let you talk. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you give me your thoughts on, on those guys. And um, while I look up where they're going in these drafts. Uh, especially in these, in, in DCs, I, 
I fill in with a, a lot of bench pitchers fairly early, typically. Uh, at least I have in the past and, and continued to so far this season. It's And those are guys that fit in that range for me. I didn't even realize that in one of these two drafts, I had Google, Turnbull, and uh, Mize on the same team, which is probably why you brought up this question. I didn't even realize that it had happened uh, until I was back looking at these teams a little more closely a couple days ago. Uh, I don't know that I would have avoided that intentionally, but it, I, I don't know that I consciously would have let that happen either. <laughs> Uh, it, it just seems weird to have all three of them on a team, uh, but well, they're they're in that range. You know, I, I didn't. I think I might have drafted. I like Scooble best of the three. Um, that's a, that's a, a, that's he is a, a fourth now because of you said with the injury concerns. Uh, I, I probably am counting on him as one of my top nine. Uh, the others are are. Guys that I, I guess it's a strikeout, the strikeout upside that he has over Mize because Mize is going very consistently. I looked it up. He's going like in the, the mid to high 300s and where he's being taken to those three drafts are very consistent. Scooble has a bit more of a, a variance between where he's being taken, but he's definitely going earlier. Um, and that's by your own accord. <laughs> so um, so is it the strikeouts that, that, that that's the factor for you there? Yes. That and when it comes to – these young as prospects or guys we haven't seen a lot. Um, I I listen to people that get to see them every day. You know, that's, that's the whole reason I got into baseball Twitter in the first place was to read what people that are watching these players play every day are saying about them when I don't get to watch every single game that every team plays. And people that see Scooble pitch on a consistent basis love him so i'll buy in cool um so another player that i that i saw you're getting is um player on the kansas city royals your hometown this is just uh is it um hometown bias here or is there something that i'm missing i it's typically i am harsher on royals because i swing too far the other way trying to not biased. And I think I go too far the other way. Uh, a big, a great example is two years ago when he was undrafted in pretty much every league. I never bought into Hunter Dozier was breaking out and have him on a single team. Never got him in any cab. I don't even think I put a bid on him. Um, so when there is a Royal, I like, like a big one this year was, Trevor Rosenthal, because I really liked what I saw him doing in the spring, mainly the no walks. Uh, but Bobby Witt Jr. was the talk of Royals camp in the spring and the summer. He played at the alternate site. Everybody's from top to bottom, seems to love what he's doing. And this is ties into what we talked about at the very beginning. Uh, we have another year of control of Mikel Franco who performed, I think, better than most people expected. Uh, 38 RBIs in the, this season was absolutely fantastic. But 
He's in his third year arbitration, and the estimate on baseball reference is $8 million. Why pay him $8 million when you have a five-tool player that everybody says is ready when there's a spot ready for him? Is he ready, and That's though? where everybody says, he, everybody says he's ready. And so when you can pay him $550,000, why pay Mikel Franco $8 million? It kind of ties right into what we talked about at the beginning of the show. So when you're talking there, I think I didn't look up both drafts, but I know one of them, 39th round, you're talking almost 600 players in at that point. That's worth a shot for me. So do you think he could do what like Bobichet did last or 2019 this year? Um, I think in his first full season, absolutely. When did Bo come up in 2019? I don't know. I think maybe July. I, I, I don't remember. I I believe that there is a better than decent chance that we see Bobby Witt Jr. by the end of April. Um, if they wait, and it depends. I, I don't know if the – most definitely if, if the schedule is adjusted again, it will. But I don't know the whole Super 2 thing, how that even is working out with how this season was and what next season may or may not be. But uh, most definitely, I would think we see him after that date. It, it, like you said, Bobochet in July, and um, yeah, that's that's the type of player we're looking at. If he gets up and gets the at bats, that's what I that's what I'm at. Wow, I, I, I was I didn't ex I didn't I didn't expect you to say that he might be up at the end of April. That's I I'm just looking at his age and where he's played. Uh, I don't have that offhand, but I think. Isn't he like nineteen or 20, like nineteen years old? He he was old for a high schooler, so he he was drafted out of high school. Okay, I'm looking season, right now. He's twenty. He he's, he's, he's twenty. He'll be he'll be he'll be twenty. He'll be twenty one in the middle of the season. So he's a little old, older for his draft class. He's but he's never played above rookie. He doesn't have any stats above rookie ball. That's 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 so that's why personally maybe I'm wrong on this. I just I just like wrote him off. I'm like this guy, like for for redraft. Yeah. I just said okay, not not paying attention to him um, because of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but you, you've, I, I know I, I value your opinion. So now I'm, now I'm, now I'm considering, I'm, now I'm, now I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to, I'm going to start Googling hey, for the rest of the We're in a tough spot, right? They're, because of not having a minor league system season, uh, we don't have a lot of news about a lot of these players. How high would he have reached last year if, he, if there was a minor league system? Um, Maybe double A, then maybe, yeah. Like, if he reached double A last year, then you'd be seriously considering promotion this year, right? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these guys, we're going to have to either totally discount them or maybe throw a dart at a guy or two or trust some of what we're hearing from some of the coaches at the alternate sites. Uh, a guy in my dynasty leagues that I – made sure that I have just based on alternate site coaches and what they were saying is, is in Davis. Now I have no idea if there's any chance he's coming up this season. I haven't drafted him in any DCs. Just the fact of only information we have is from coaches that were at the alternate sites, you know, scouts weren't even allowed in. So different things we hear, we're gonna have to take a chance on some of them. Right. 
So the, another guy, just now that we're talking about, I'm just thinking about right now, another guy that um, I'm surprised is being drafted is, not, I know we're talking about our, our teams, the, the Royals and the Blue Jays, but Austin Martin, he's getting drafted in a lot of these drafts. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not touching him. I don't know. I, I just because like it's, he just got drafted. He's never played in the minors really. He had the alternate site maybe. I don't even know. Right, so in a college player, I, he was out of high school. Like Wit was, I, I would completely write him off. In a college player, I guess there's a chance. I guess Torkelson, but, it's Torkelson too, right? Right, Torkelson's in that spot, you know, and uh, I think we're more likely to see some guys from the year before, like Vaughn. Yeah, well, Vaughn's, right. going, Vaughn's going early, though. Vaughn's going yeah. like in the 200s. Uh, and, but the fact that they did go to college, and that's kind of where Major League Baseball is going, right? The draft is probably not going to only be five rounds like it was this year. It probably won't be over 10 next year, and it may not ever go over 20 again. They're going to turn in CAA baseball into their minor league system. That's their, in my mind, that's their goal of this whole minor league traction right, is have a minor league system that they don't have to pay for any longer. Huh. And so we're, we're, we're going to start to see, and, and as these college teams develop players the same way that these minor league, these major league organizations and their minor leagues have Vanderbilts, the Wake Forests, the Missouris, these college teams that we know have the development tools that are ahead of some major league organizations um, we're going to see some of these college players much earlier than we've seen them in the past. Interesting point. I'm going to start, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more carefully. So, um, one, one, I'm going to give you one more question before we go. So we'll end, yeah. end, we'll end on this. And this is a question that I didn't have on the agenda, but, um, I'll put you on the spot here. So, and this is a question and I, I, I do this podcast to really for myself to learn and to and talk to you guys like this. So like, honestly, like I'm, I mean, it's, it's great that I get to talk to people like you that are knowledgeable and, and had so much success, but then I get to ask you questions like this for, for my benefit and then everyone else will get to hear your answer too. But roster construction, we talked about that before and it's a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, it's easier said than done to make sure you have, uh, you have a well-constructed team. So if, if you, can you give me one skill that you've developed when it comes to roster construction? Not, maybe not the best, but give you one, like, because it's just, it's sort of a vague term that's been used to like, like when, when you're, when you're thinking about your roster construction, what's sort of like a skill you've developed over time? Um, working backwards for the draft. If there are guys that you like late, that you like enough that you're going to count on for your team. Those are the guys I'm building my team around, not the guys that I'm drafting early. I work backwards. Now, the catch to that is you have to get those guys. If you're building your team around 2020 Dansby Swanson, around 320 or whatever, Mm. you have to get him. Uh, So that's the catch to it. And you have to have a backup plan in case you don't. Uh, But working backwards um, to make your decisions in the early rounds Based on who you like later, because we all like the same guys early, mm-hmm. then a round or two, right? Right. 
That's, that's, no, that's, that's great. I've, I've heard that before. And that's, um, I think I've heard you say that before as well. Um, that's, that's a good, that's a great piece of advice. And, um, and, and that's something that that's something that I'm I'm going to be looking at this t- at this time too. So even working backwards, you can you can fall you can fall off your plan pretty quickly, right? Can, yeah, oh, absolutely. The, even if somebody in the, in likes the, one of those late guys better than you do, you're you be in a big bind. Or even if even if in your, in your plan you're like, okay, well I need that means I need to take a shortstop early, and the shortstop's like you say it's a deep position, but man, like. It's not, I don't, I don't really see it as like, okay. Several like, of them go quick. It's like, okay. Yeah. There's like, there's 12 shortstops you can get. You, there's like 12 amazing shortstops. I don't know if that's the number or not, but I'm just throwing it out there. There's 12 amazing but they're shortstops. they're gone at the end of the second round. <laughs> but, guess, but guess what? There's like, you only have three chances to get one because you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's, it's not about, it's not about how many of that position it is. It's how many chances you have to fill your roster spot with it. Right. That's a great point too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's a, a, I think working backwards is um, is something I'm definitely definitely going to be looking at now. Um, um, follow up, uh, get one follow up like any reporter. Um, as you, if you've watched the presidential election, follow up to that roster construction question, and it sort of goes along along the lines of um, the um, late round targets. Is there anyone that is there, like if you started looking at that, is there anyone that you're like is there anyone that you can tell us? Um, uh, it could be like a little tidbit that you're looking at to start to start your working backwards um, technique from? I don't know that there's anybody really late yet. Uh, One thing apparent to me, and I I didn't pay a lot of attention to uh, when we did our second DC, and and these ended a couple of weeks ago, so we did them uh, really early. Uh, But I ended up with guys like, I had Wilmer Flores, on both teams I got uh and and I think I might have took him quite a bit earlier in the second one than I did in the first one even um and I was only in one DC last year which fortunately I I did win it but I was in a bind more often than I wanted to be and so I'm looking closer at multi-position eligibility guys. And so guys like Wilmer Flores, guys like, um, let's see, I'm looking really quick here at one of the drafts that we did. Um, you know, I, I'm, I was kind of surprised to see uh, Jared Walsh available as, as late as he was, at least in one of these drafts. I, I think he's going to get uh, a, a good share of the at bats for for Anaheim this coming season. Yeah, I I took him in the first one we did right. Yeah, um, a little bit earlier, and um, yeah, I might have to edit this part out because <laughs> I don't want anyone to try to, be, to, to. I agree. I, I agree with you. I might this might this I might have to take this part out, uh, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good, man. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I won't. I won't. But I'm, I'm just. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. That's um, and I, I've um, I got him in the one that we're doing right now, and um, I got him in the first one we did. I, I forget why I missed up. You, you took him in the second one, right? I was just looking at. It. I looked. I took him in the fifteenth. I, I don't know where you took him in the first one. I took him earlier than that, but I. Th- I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why I didn't take him. Um, I'm looking at my team. 
So where would you have to, you took him in the 15th. What the hell was I thinking? Where, where, where were you picking from? Uh, in the second one, I was picking eight. So right in the middle, which by the way is, oh, there it is. I think is awesome this year. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, you know what? You should never have got him there. If you look, if you look, <laughs> if you, if you look at where, if you look at who I picked before, like in the 13th and 14th and well, maybe not the 15th, but yeah, you should never have gotten there. I, I shouldn't have loved I shouldn't have let that happen. Well, uh, I think, uh, uh, thank you for letting it happen. No problem. You know, and I know Deemer projects him for, I think 102 games. And we'll know more throughout the spring. And I know we, we got bit by him a couple of years ago, thinking he was going to be back. He's going to be back in a couple of weeks. He never was. He was never healthy. But if, if he's going to get anywhere close to, say, 120 games as draft season goes along, if it's looking that way, I won't ever get Josh Donaldson in the 14th round again, I don't think. Why do you say that? I, if if he's going to be healthy enough to play uh, 120 games, 75% of the season, uh, I think he goes way higher than that. Okay. Really? And I don't know. I think, I think people are just going to be scared off of the injury. To, like he could say he's as healthy as he is. He can say he's in the best shape of his life. I don't think he, I don't think drafters are going to believe him. I've talked to, I know I've talked to at least two people that said that he's, he's fucking finished to them no matter what. <laughs> I, and I understand, you know, for, we went through a season and a half of he's going to be back in two weeks and never was. So yeah. Two of the guys I talked to a lot, I'll, I'll, I'll mention their names, Mike, my mouth. He, he, he said he's never drafting him again. And then John fish, well, both of them said that they would never, they're not touching him ever again. So I think there's gonna. I, I, I think I, when I, you get to that point, uh, you can afford it. Well, man, he's going after like Donaldson's going after Chris Bryant. He's going after Brian Hayes. He's going after Alec Baum, and he's going after he's going around a lot of like he's going really late. So I can see what you're saying too. I'm not like completely off of him. I just usually, I usually want to get a third baseman. I usually want to fill that spot because I'm not really comfortable waiting that late. So where Bryant's going, I'm not really I'm not comfortable risking having nothing, right? And he could, and he could be nothing. So I, I really want to like, am I, am I really, do I, the question is, do you really want to take um, Josh Donaldson as like your corner at 150 and and get your corner that early with someone like that? That's like, that's sort of the question. Yeah. It's going to be, this, I, I talked about when I was talking with uh, Justin Mason a couple weeks ago uh, and, and he was in one of these drafts with us. Uh, ADP is going to be all over the place, not just now, but in March. It's still going to be all over the place with so many different opinions of what this 2020 season meant or didn't mean for players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's, going to be fun. it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be guys you think you can get late and all of a sudden they go, Bansby Swanson goes at pick 49. Yeah, I know. Guys that that you think, oh, uh, I'm not going to get him. I'm not willing to pay that price. And three rounds later, he's still sitting there. And like, oh, God, okay, do I yeah. want him? Why is he still there? <laughs> yeah, sort of throws off. It throws off your plans. Yeah, you gotta, you got like, like, like you said, you gotta have multiple plans coming into the same draft. Definitely. 
All right, all right, Kevin. Well, um, thanks again for coming on. I know I, I took up I took up more more time than I promised, but um, why don't you um, why don't you tell everyone where you're uh, where they can find you again and remind them and uh, what anything else you're working on or what else you what else you're doing? Uh, uh, it's my name backwards on Twitter at Hastings Kevin. Uh, nothing going on specifically at the moment. Getting geared up. Uh, probably get something out here within the next month or two. Uh, get back into doing more regular podcasts like I had been. I did two a week for almost two years uh, and then took this once the season started, the season off. Uh, but in that itch again, that's why uh, thank you for having me. This was awesome. No, this was, this is this was great. Like I learned, I learned a lot. This is a, this is a great, this is a great episode. So I'll, I'll uh, kiss your ass offline. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Well, thank thanks, you, Zach. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye.